And I know that mental health is such a stigma. Um, right. And uh, so if, if the dad is, you know, um, practicing his own mental health, the child will see like, oh, that's, that's, a, it's, it's okay. It's okay to take care of your, your mental health is okay to practice self-care. It's okay to talk about your emotions. Um, but you have to be the example and, and set that bar. Right. Um, the children will, will think it's, oh, okay, this is fine to do in our family. Everybody, thank you so much for being here with us. I am Dijon with No Off Season for Dads, and I am excited uh, to talk to you today uh, about a crucial, crucial topic, uh, one that is is pre- uh, prevalent all over the airwaves and in homes and everything. And we're just talking about our uh, maintaining our mental health specifically for our families. And so I get the honor and privilege to be able to talk to three incredible, incredible uh, professionals. Uh, one is Dr. Jindai O'Grady. Uh, we also have Ms. Carissa Oyabanjo in here. And we've also got Dr. Paula Anderson, AKA my lovely bride. Uh, she is here as well with us. And um, they are all with the Renew and Revitalize Marriage and Family Institute. And so I'm just excited to have the opportunity to talk to them and have them talk to us about uh, maintaining and uh, having a a fantastic home in regards to their mental health. And so I wanted to, you know, of course, uh, the Olympics are happening right now. And probably the one of the biggest names that you want to hear is Simone Biles. And Simone Biles was or is uh, probably the most prolific gymnast that we will ever see in our lifetime. But she took a break uh, during this Olympics, this uh, Tokyo Olympics, to take care of her mental health. And, you know, there there was some naysayers about it. And there were those who were like, absolutely, you should have take you should take care of that. I think even in this same sense of looking at it specifically for a family, uh, I wanted to ask uh, you, what does a strong sense of of a mentally healthy family look like and and uh, Carissa, if you would like to start us out with this, what in, in your view and your eyes and your professional opinion, what does a strong mentally healthy family look like? Absolutely, Dijon. And thank you so much, first of all, for having us here. We are so honored to be here with you today. And this topic is so timely and so important. So thank you for highlighting the importance of strong mental health in your families through no off seasons for dads. I think that's awesome. So definitely the strong mental health um, in your family. I think the first thing I'd like to talk about is just the definition of mental health, if that's okay. The World Health Organization defines mental health as a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his own abilities, can cope with normal stresses of life, can work 
productively and fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to his or her own community. And so looking at that, I think it's important to look at the mental health and knowing that it includes our emotional, social, and, and, and um, psychological well-being. And so a, a strong family with strong mental health will definitely be aware of its own thoughts and feelings, right? Oftentimes we come from family systems that ignore feelings. You're taught to kind of suppress them and to not deal with them. And so being aware of them, encouraging emotional support, encouraging talking to one another about where you, what you're thinking, what you're feeling is definitely a big part of it. Um, a family system that has strong mental health has a strong sense of self, like your view of self, that you feel good about yourself and the family system that you come from. And then the other thing is the ability to manage stress well and um, within your family and being product, productive within the family system. And definitely Jindayo and Paula can add anything there that you may want to add. Definitely. I, I definitely want to hear from uh, Dr. Grady, Jindayo Grady. What, what, what are your thoughts on that as well? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, uh, Dijon. Uh, so excited to be on this podcast, No Off Season for Dads. Um, I agree with what Carissa said. Um, I think she said it very well. I would add part of what should be in a healthy family is this idea of safety. Um, we're, we're safe. Everyone in the family is safe, but also from an emotional standpoint, we're, we're, we're safe to express vulnerabilities. We're, we're, we're safe to express fears, um, safe to express hurts and harms and, and things and stressors, whether it be academic, whether it be socially. Um, and so when we have um, parents and, and caregivers who are careful to ensure safety and security within the family, mm -hmm. then it opens up for the mental health to be uh, not only uh, nurtured, but to address and ultimately cultivate. The conversation started to get really nice. And then we had Dr. Paula Anderson start to shift the conversation to how Paula, we need to speak to our teens as parents but, in regards um, to their mental but health. Even, even with that, Take a I wanted just to piggyback off of uh, what Jendaya was talking about as far as like the safety to be able to express um, their feelings and, and emotions in a house. Uh, of course, uh, the three of us, and I know you well, uh, but the three of us or four of us all have uh, children. All of us have teens. And knowing that, you know, that, that different maturity level, how do, how do you create a, a safe space with teens, especially oftentimes when teens don't like to talk about their emotions as when they're with their parents? Um, I think, you know, I think it, it starts with, first of all, like everyone said, thank you. Dijon, aka Honey, <laughs> for um, having uh, us on the show, Renew and Vitalize Marriage and Family Institute. Um, I think, and then you you know this well, Dijon, because we do this is just um, the relationship with our kids. I think that's important. It's like it's building over over the years, and especially as they're getting older, your relationship with your child or children is so key. Um, I think building in, you know, to what Grady's saying, talking about safety. I think building in those times where you have those conversations, because I feel like, you know, everyone's, you know, well, 
in the past month, a year and a half, we haven't been on the go. And so I think COVID has actually cultivated a space where we can do that is create those times, whether it be dinner time or, you know, during our family times, we have this thing we do called highs and lows. And it's usually during the highs and lows time that we really find out how um, the week has gone with our children. And usually those during those times, um, emotions will come out like, oh, I felt this way, or I didn't feel this way, or I didn't like this, or I love this and um i feel like those times when you cultivate that space um are times where children are about you know are open at least you know if you have a relationship with them they're open to share uh sometimes and they're not able to share in front of everyone and i think you know those one-on-one times when you're going to the grocery store or mm-hmm. a car ride or going to school those are other times where you have you may have your child by your by themselves without their siblings. And that could be another time where you're allowing them to just open up and share their thoughts and feelings and, and uh, just making it as um, casual as as possible, because you don't want it to become like, oh, how you doing? What's going on? You know, you want right. it to be as casual as possible. Gotcha. And I, pre- I appreciate that. I wanted I wanted to even ask this uh, this question in regards to, you know, we, of course, we do have these dinner time conversations and and it is, you know, it's key to bring out the, those talks, those emotions, the, the feelings, all of those things. Um, what and I, I know I asked a, a couple of questions in the past, but what how do you believe you can foster that? especially if like the, the parent and the child, the parent and the teen have not fostered this over the course of years. Um, how, what is a method that, you know, a parent can do uh, to, to do that? And uh, Carissa, I'll come back with you with that question. What, sure, what yeah. can I do? Absolutely. I was just thinking about that. And I think one of the things that a parent can do is to establish like a new routine or hobby, something that they're doing together. I noticed with my um, son, who's my teenager in my house, if I sit down with him and I look him in the fa- face to face and I'm like, hey, hon, tell me about how you're feeling. It's like crickets. <laughs> but if I go down and he's playing his game and I'm down there acting like I'm cleaning up and doing something, then I'm like, oh, you know, what's, oh, who, you know, I'll just ask a question, an open-ended question, and he'll just start talking, or, you know, we all have the, the rides, being in the car with them and the rides, but I guess picking a game, like, that you can play together, and mm-hmm. while you're playing the game, make sure you're asking the open-ended questions, and if you want your child to talk, you have to talk, period. You have to share your feelings, you have to say, you know, and I do this with my kids all the time. They're probably like, mom, why are you telling me all this? But I'm like, I'm sad today. You know, I just got some bad news. What do you think I should do about this? And then you're disclosing, opening, being vulnerable with them. And then they will then feel safe to do it with you. Even if you've never done it before, be patient with yourself. It feels awkward. If you've been a shutdown Mm -hmm. in a shutdown mode in your family for a while, you're trying to open yourself up, deal with the awkwardness, embrace it and keep it moving, (laughs) moving forward. Now, now, Dr. Grady, now I'm just going to ask you this, and this is going to be, and I hope this doesn't sound bad over this, over this episode, but this is going to be a man-to-man question because I'm, at least me, my wife is going to sit there and I know she's going to probably nod her head in the background. I am not necessarily one to do a whole bunch of talking. And I didn't need you to make that face. I'm not <laughs> one to do a whole bunch of talking um, in, in general. And so, you know, in regards to in regards to fathers specifically, 
in regards to fathers, what are some ways that you would foster that type of relationship for a person who does not do a lot of talking, who does not do, and I'm, I know I'm probably stereotyping a little bit here, but who does not necessarily show a lot of emotion? How would you foster that? Ooh, great question. Um, talking and emotion is critical for fathers. And so if it's something that, you know, we are not necessarily comfortable with, just let me say that first, we should strive uh, to be more comfortable with that. And at first it will be awkward. One of the things I use is I use music. I find what my uh, kids uh, or my children or my teens um, what they are engaging in, whether it's music or video games. And I find that bridge and then I meet them on their bridge um, so that, you know, there's a level of communication that they are versed in and they're, they're comfortable. But often, um, secondly, I talk a lot about my failures and my mistakes. Um, um, because sometimes we, we as parents come across as perfect beings who've never made a mistake. And when we start preaching, you know, they, they tune out. But when we say, hey, you know, I used to struggle with this and hey, I struggled over here. And yeah, I, I can understand how that feels. Then it opens up the door where we're relatable. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if a father or a mother could find the bridge so that they can connect where their child is already there or mm -hmm. and or secondly, if they can be transparent where the child doesn't feel like everything is you know, I'm criticizing the child. You, I'm only focusing on their mistakes. And then thirdly, highlight praise. Everybody needs and loves praise and validation. If you right. are purposeful to just praise early, consistently, and often, um, not only will it make it easier for the parent to communicate, it will be received very well for, for the child. And I, I like that point of, of highlighting praise and validation. Um, and it's such a crucial thing only because I, at least for me, it takes work to, to do that. And I think it can be easier to see the negatives uh, within, our, within ourselves as well as within our, our, our children. We see, you know, they're not taking out the trash at a certain time. They didn't cook dinner when they were supposed to do it. Their room is a hot mess. And so we see those easy things, but to look for the, the positives, to look for the noteworthy things, in my view, takes a little bit more uh, attention and work uh, from a parent. Um, that's, that's just my, that's just my opinion right there. But, um, now Paula, I wanted to ask you as well, um, looking at it from a professional side and looking at it from the side of a wife, uh, a mother, um, how would you encourage a husband or, you know, that significant other to, uh, ensure a strong sense of, of, of a mentally healthy family, how, and specifically for the husband. How do you how do you help him be better in this area? You know what I, what 
a, a wife could do to help her husband is is to just encourage the husband to practice his own um, mental health, right? And so whether the, the children can see you and you're good at this, honey, you take care of your physical health, which I know in terms of taking care of your mental health with running and, you know, taking care of yourself that way, um, encouraging, you know, the husband to, to talk to the kids. Cause it's interesting as therapists, I think sometimes we could be the ones who like we, because it's a skill, like it kind of some, I think, well, for me, it comes naturally, right. To talk. And so I think, um, if the husband is not, if that's not their skills, like, okay, here's an avenue. You can even think of situations like this is a good time to talk to, to Laura or to Sammy or to Joe. I'm just making up names here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and just kind of figuring out times where it may be helpful for you, you to, you know, chime in because they may need the dad's point of view at that point. Um, but I think the, 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 the main thing is for them to see you being uh, mentally healthy and um, for you to practice it yourself. And, um, and if the husband needs therapy, like, mm -hmm. Hey, go to therapy and tell the kids about it. You know what I mean? And just be open about stuff like that. And I know that mental health is such a stigma. Um, right. And uh, so if, if the dad is, you know, um, practicing his own mental health, the child will see like, you know, that's, that's, a, it's, it's okay. It's okay to take care of your, your mental health is okay to practice self-care. It's okay to talk about your emotions. Um, but you have to be the example and, and set that bar. Right. Um, the children will, will think it's, Oh, okay. This is fine to do in our family. And it's interesting. You're saying that I, I think about, you know, going back to the, uh, when we were talking about Simone Miles and, and, how there were two sides trying to justify whether it was okay for her to quote bow out uh, for her to take care of her mental health. Uh, and it, as we were talking, I was like, okay, how do you, how, how does one justify, how does a family, how do, how do we justify, I need to take care of me mentally when, you know, again, you have two sides, you know, you have two, you know, opposite opinions. Well, Simone Biles, she, she should have known that she was going to be, you know, representing the United States of America. She should have been able to take care of that, you know, that kind of pressure where the yeah. other side was like, no, she needs to take care. She needs to take care of herself. When we think of it on, on a, on a more personal level, when we look at ourselves, and again, you know, of course, this is with a no off season for dads and we're speaking to dads, but we're talking to parents. Uh, how, how do you effectively justify saying, I need to not just physically take care of me, but mentally take care of me. I can physically see, you know, the attributes, but necessarily mentally, you might not necessarily be able to. So Carissa, I would just like just tap your head right there about that one. Absolutely. No, and I think it's a great question. I, I admire Simone's courage, the courage that she had in making yeah. that decision and taking mm -hmm. the stand. And I think that if we are able, the justification comes in equal prioritization of physical health and mental health. If we're able to say as dads, as moms, that 
physical health is just as important. It's not a choice. If she broke her leg, we wouldn't be like, you know, you're supposed to go out there and hop and keep it moving and work. Like, why aren't you out there? Wrap it up in an ace bandage, you know? Mm -hmm. They wouldn't say that, right? But with mental health, they say, oh, it's depression. Just, you know, just like change your mind and get out there and push. It's, It's not, you know, it's not right. So we need to have equal prioritization, understanding that, mental health is just as important, just as valid scientifically and empirically proven as physical health. And it's not a choice either. Like if we have cancer, it's not like we're, we're choosing to have that, you know, it's it's not a choice. It's not something that somebody, well, mental health disorders are not a choice. I should say mental mm-hmm. health is, you know, good practice, mm-hmm. practicing mental health. So I would just say equal prioritization is important. And also feeling like I am worth it. You know, my mental health is is good. It's worth it. Um, and it's important. I, I think that's a lot. And, the, and having the conversations at home with your family, we are a family. The Oevangels are a family that prioritize our health. We prioritize our mental health. And that's what we say to our kids so that when they come to this situation, they're able to take a stand, you know, and then shout it out to the community like Simone did to the world. Can I say something? I love what you just said, Carissa. And I think something that Simone Biles did that I don't think she realized that she was doing in the moment because she was doing it for herself, which I appreciate. She literally, I I can't tell how many times I've been asked this about Simone. Like she opened up, even though mental health is definitely, you know, Mm -hmm. the buzzword these days, but she literally blew it open (laughs) for it to be okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because people expect athletes to kind of just push, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And so when she was like, I'm in the middle of the height of my moment in the Olympics, and she was like, I'm shutting it down. I think she put self-care, mental health, taking care of you like on such a pedestal at that moment that I think we don't even have to say much. To, you know what I mean? Like, because she's so young, I think kids can like relate to that. Like, wait a second, Simone Miles did that? I can do that too, you know what I mean? And and it, it, I don't even think she realized what she's done. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I think even like using her as an example in family conversations, that could be another way to kind of open up the talk about mental health. What do you think about what Simone, Simone Biles did? Like, what, what do you think about that? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so I think she did something that she didn't, she doesn't realize it, but it, I think it's gonna, for generations, you know, it's gonna make a difference if people kind of keep it um, top of mind that she she definitely made a difference in, in her generation and even younger ones, because the younger kids are, were watching her too, you know, right. so it's not right. just an isolated incident everyone saw. Right. Of course, I've got the three of you here and uh, you have all started this in, uh, incredible organization, Renew and Revitalize Marriage and Family Institute. And I wanted to ask uh, you, Dr. Grady, um, what is it, and how does it how does it help um, how does it help families? How does it help um, those who are in need? How does it help? And how does it work? Uh, Well, the mission of our organization is to educate, to empower, and to encourage uh, couples and uh, families uh, to live 
functional, fruitful, and fulfilled lives. And so what we want to do is we understand the power um, of the family system, of marriages, of, of the family. And we know that a lot of families are struggling. They're struggling with mental health. They're struggling. There's there's abuse. There's, there's neglect. There, there's so many issues that divorce and separation. Um, and so we want to be able to make a difference that ultimately would result in a radical reduction of abuse, of neglect, of divorce. And ultimately we wanna build healthy families um, so that the children and ultimately the family unit can really be fruitful in, in many different ways. And the way we wanna help is through you know, counseling and coaching. We have uh, an annual marriage conference where we get together and really pour into uh, to couples and we have family nights and all uh, sorts of programs that are designed to enrich, ultimately empower uh, marriages and families uh, so they can be healthier and more fulfilled. A lot of, if you, if you ask a lot of spouses, a lot of families, they'll say, I'm not really fulfilled. We see a lot of dysfunction and a lot of dissatisfaction in marriage. We want to change the narrative. Awesome. You know, all of us have been married and and, and we have fruitful and, and fulfilled uh, marriages and families, and we understand though it's 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 tremendously hard work. Now mm-hmm. uh, we understand the the value of it, and we want to empower other people to be able to replicate what we're seeing in our own families. Awesome, that's awesome. I want and I want to highlight something you just said. I mean, I think I think this organization is is uh, phenomenal. And uh, for those our, our listeners who are you're, you're tuned in, make sure that you actually. Uh, Jindal, say what's the website for them for them to uh, go on to it? Sure, it is renewandrevitalize.org. Awesome, renewandrevitalize.org. So I had to ask the question about what a family, what a mother, what a father could do that is tangible, techniques, methods, or something that we could use to ensure a functional family. And these were some great responses and you were talking about how that we got. The organization is to help build functional lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you said, that, that word just like, it stuck with me. It was kind of like, you know, you, you hear one word and, and the, the teacher on the peanuts, they started talking, mm-hmm. all you hear like a wah, wah, or wah. Mm-hmm. All I, I, I tuned in on that one word and I think it, it goes back to specifically this whole thing of uh, prioritizing the physical and the mental, making them on this equal uh, on this equal plane. How do parents specifically make a family? And this might be a, a, a obscure question, but how does it make a family mentally functional? Like, are there techniques that uh, you would advise doing? Are there, you know, you know, each morning everybody wakes up and does the Calm app. Do we, you know, I, and I'm just talking at the side, but I, I mean, I know this is something that I do in the morning. Um, what, are, what are some, and I'd love to hear from all three of you, what are some, if there are, quote, concrete techniques that parents can do to ensure that their families are mentally functioning well. 
let me let me let me start with the first one and it is it is it is it is hard and difficult but it is very logical and important the first thing i would say is to heal from dysfunction um what we have found um is that many families um come from dysfunctional families um and so their repertoire is limited or it is filled with patterns of dysfunctionality and so if you've come from um you know dysfunctional patterns and you, you know we're not judging we're just we're just keeping it real right. um this is what we see then the first thing is we've got to unlearn some of the dysfunction that we were reared in and experienced so then then we can be taught the skills of how to to actually function um in the way that that parents and families should function so that's the first thing i would say that's hot. Mm -hmm. I like that. Heal from dysfunction. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I would piggyback on that healing from dysfunction in, in terms of um the family, because the first thing that, um, at least in my experience, like sometimes the parents, they see like a kid is struggling. They want to throw the kid into counseling, mm -hmm. but they don't take care of themselves. And so I, I would encourage the couple's counseling actually first, <laughs> right? Maybe alongside while, they, while the child is in counseling and then maybe add to that family counseling. Right. So just that healing from dysfunctions, like what's going on in your marriage relationship that could be contributing, not that I'm saying it is, but could be contributing to the issue of the what the child may be experiencing and then work through it. Then, you know, adding the family to it and doing some family counseling alongside, because I do see that they throw the child in the counseling, like fix my child. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the child learned some of these things from somewhere. Right, right. right. So, so quick, and and then just to piggyback off of that, and I, I, I hear from you, Doctor Reed. Do you do you do both of those in tandem? So, would you do a family counseling and uh, you know a couples, or maybe they're not married, uh, maybe it's just, as a single mom or a single father, uh, but would you do those two in tandem, or would you you know I'd start with the, or recommend starting with the 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 parents first and then the uh then the family that's a great question um i would say really depends on on the severity of the matter if if the presenting factor if 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 whoever's in crisis first if the child's in crisis first then i'll focus on the child but i understand that we have to bring the the family involved to really understand what's going on so what i do is 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 I'll bring the family in and then after I get all the information from the parents then I'll kick the parents out because the child is not going to be honest with right. the parents. And that's when I really get the real information is when the parents, parents leave. And depending on what the child needs, I'll say, okay, next session, we're going to have to meet with dad because we need to talk to dad. And the next session, we need to talk to mom, mm -hmm. whatever, um, you know, the child or whatever the, the main crisis is first is how we negotiate um how we how we begin the, the sessions gotcha 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 and carissa anything from you right i think that you know jendile paula both laid it all out there in terms of the clinical aspect of things and focusing like you said in, in counseling on the children the family the individuals everybody to come in all together so i think that's good and mine is a little bit it's correlated but also making sure that 
to, to have a functional family, you're investing in your spiritual health as well. And just making sure that spiritually you're engaging in daily spiritual practices, right? Uh, prayer, reading scripture, meditation, you know, even under that spiritual realm, yoga, things like that, that can really connect you to God, you know, and your uh-huh. spiritual self is really important. And all of that goes together under the mental health, physical health um, and wellness, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I'm, and, and I'm hearing all of this and this info is beautiful. Um, and I've heard different things from each one of you, which makes me wonder is, and, and again, understanding that we're, we're talking to parents specifically of how to help their family be mentally strong, mentally healthy. But it sounds like to me, and you can correct me here, it sounds like for that to happen, each person needs to find that thing to help them individually first in order for everything to function well. And that's at least what I'm, I'm, I'm getting maybe from my you know, adult dad kind of perspective here, but um, Am I am I on point here, or am I am I a little off? And if I'm off, I'm off. No, I, I would say you're on point. Um, you know, you may start off as a group. Um, even even myself, if if I have like a couples counseling, much of the work doesn't happen in the context of couples counseling. Much of the work happens in individual, mm-hmm. um, and then the individual growth and maturity then impacts the couple or the family. So I think you're really on point, Dijon, because if everybody in the nuclear family, everybody in the family, if they take a personal responsibility to have good mental health, then they will be able to to be healthy enough to play their part in the family dynamic. So no, I, I totally agree that that, that that everybody, even the children, have a responsibility to play their part, to do their part for the well-being of the family. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to talk to Carissa Oyabanjo, to Dr. Paula Anderson, as well as Dr. Jindai O'Grady. I got some incredible tips and pointers on how to ensure that my family is mentally strong and mentally healthy. And I hope that you got the opportunity to get some tips and pointers as well. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at No Off Season for Dads. That's NOS, the number four, Dads. Listen, enjoy, share, fund, and repeat. Take care. We'll talk soon.